Hello and welcome to the Painting Podcast. In this episode, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Rather than looking at art history, I'm going to be interviewing an artist. And I've given, I've given him a prompt, which is to think about five paintings that he'd like to live with. And that's going to kind of help steer the conversation and keep it centered around painting, even though we do meander around a little bit. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. And here's Johnny DeFeo. Doing good, man. How's it going? Give me 45 seconds. My girlfriend just showed up. Ari just showed up on a horse. Nice. That's great. In the driveway. So okay. I just got to go see that. And I'll be right back. No problem. And then we'll proceed. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Look, horse look good? It's a good looking horse. What color is it? Uh, like a chestnutty. Chestnutty. Or no, oh. maybe a little more like a buckskin is that a roan i think they call that a roan horse maybe it's a roan it's a roan i don't horse. know we're just we're just learning about horses i grew up with horses you especially. did yeah we had uh, three horses on our farm like i grew up in the city on the bad streets of bismarck north dakota but uh, oh yeah we also had a farm <laughs> <laughs> man yeah, those my, mean streets my my grandpa bought like a um an Arabian later in life it was kind of like a late midlife crisis sort of buying a convertible sort of thing because he was like in his 60s and he bought like this beautiful Arabian <laughs> that was just too wild to ride but <laughs> pretty to look at though it was yeah he'd pop his tail up and prance around yeah it was all right that's great <laughs> did you ever ride yeah badly I mean we had a we had a little um the big arabian was called fantasy and then we had a little like pony called nightmare and um yeah <laughs> I'd, I'd ride nightmare <laughs> tight but, yeah it wasn't uh, i got bucked off when i was like four or five but you know the memories of that experience are probably pretty exaggerated <laughs> same i was just talking about this with our, our like friend here is teaching us about horses she's okay. a, like a professional wrangler Nice. And they keep their horses down the street from us. Okay. Um, and so we're like, Ari's always wanted a horse. And I, same as you, kind of, I think I went for like a trail ride when I was like seven. Yeah. And fell off, probably my own fault, you know. And ever since then, I just like hated horses. And then two years ago, we went with Ari's work on like this work retreat thing. And uh, to a dude ranch. And I was like, well, if someone else is paying for me to go horseback riding multiple days, I'm going to go. And it was just the absolute nicest that now I'm just obsessed with them. You get a nice horse, then you're you're set. If it's got the right what temperament. You, you got to get what the temperament, you? though. You just don't don't fall in love, you know? Right, right. <laughs> well, we actually bought a horse two weeks ago. Oh, really? So you have a horse? It's like this trainer, the Wrangler girl, is going to help us. Like, it already was, it was like 17. Uh had a really good temperament had been doing trail rides or whatever nice and it died what fucking died the day before it was supposed to get transported to us Shit. why okay what do you do do you have to still pay for the horse or do you get to... no they refunded us which was actually very kind because i don't think contractually they were obligated to refund us wow. but 
since we never even touched it, let alone saw it in real life, I think they were like, well, this isn't a good first horse experience for you guys. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you got to, so you got like a stable or something like that that they could go to? Yeah, right down the street. Okay, nice. Right on. Yeah, because that's one thing where it's like, with me growing up, we always had horses. We even like literally, believe it or not, we would like push cows with horses. Like when we'd like move. You were a cowboy. I guess. I always say that we should call our farm a ranch. My dad's always like, he's like, we got to start calling it a ranch because that's, you know, more masculine. Because it's like a farm is kind of like, oh, you're raised on a yeah, farm. Yeah, but like a farm as an undercover ranch is a lot better than like, people thinking then you'd be like i got ranch and then they're always asking you for steaks and shit you know (laughs) we did have a lot we had like two freezers full basically of meat (laughs) which wasn't good for me um because i grew up vegetarian so oh i grew up hunting hunting and vegetarian so that was a tight (laughs) good good combination really so you want to pronounce your name for us Sure, my name pronounced correctly is Johnny DeFeo. Johnny DeFeo. And um, Johnny and I went to the same school, actually. You were one of the last people that I saw before the uh, the lockdown happened, actually, in the hallways. How tragic that? for you. <laughs> <laughs> you were just finishing class, and I think I was coming in, and you were like, dude, they're going to let us all like teach from home. And it yeah, was like I was a pretty completely excited about it. <laughs> but it was like a foreign concept. We're like, what? Teach painting from a house? <laughs> you know? Um, and now we're a year into it. And I've taught like you've you're teaching there too right now, yeah? You're teaching painting. I am, yeah. I'm still still teaching that painting class. Okay. So you've taught like over 200 students probably this year online. Not that many. How many did you have in your section? I had like 70 of 70 of semester. Oh yeah, I guess I had like 70. So yeah, I guess that's a lot. Yeah. It's like 200. 200. Or so. Um so yeah, just starting out uh parents are were they artistic, you know, how you got started with the arts, like where do you do you even come from? I don't know anything about like where you grew up, all that sort of stuff. So if you give me the breakdown on that. I grew up in Connecticut. Um in not the part that you that a lot of people think Connecticut is like, like not Greenwich. Um, I was in the boring, I call them like faux farmers. There were a lot of people who like had farms but didn't grow anything or raise any kind of animals, but they they really dug into the farm lifestyle. Like they liked okay. the aesthetic of it, I think. Um, <clears throat> my parents- I lived, I lived in Connecticut too for a while. You did, we're in Connecticut. Old Lyme. Old Lyme. I went to the, the Academy. Academy of Fine Arts. Yeah. Yeah. That's my first year, my first real year of school. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm familiar That's a with point. like the difference between like Old Lyme versus New London, you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So pretty similar difference. Yeah. Connecticut has a wide breadth of <laughs> people and places for sure. Cool. A lot of grumps, though. I mean, generally, different types of grumpy people, but there are a lot of grumps in Connecticut. That's why I had to go. All right. What was your What was the town called? 
Berlin, Connecticut, which right. was called Berlin, Connecticut. And then uh, during the Second World War, our big contribution to the war effort was to officially change the pronunciation of the name of the town to Berlin and take Berlin. the accent off the second syllable so that no one would accidentally think we were allied with the with the German forces during World War II. Okay. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. it was a German thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was Berlin. <laughs> you get up to Berlin? I could see that. Um, yeah, there's been some strange ones with that. I remember as well, like in the 80s. When were you born? 85. 85. So you're about the same age as me as well. So you get a little bit of Cold War. Well, not too much. A little bit of Cold War in you. But they banned... I, have, I remember, like, a little bit of grumblings on, like, the radio, you know? The alarm radio. I remember, like, hearing some strange stuff Get to for the a kid to shelter. Hear, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they got mad at Smurfs for a while because they were supposedly, like, a socialist, um, like, teaching children about communism and stuff like that, so... What a nightmare. Teaching kids to share... <laughs> get, that, get it off the tv yeah one of my friends had one of those hot wheels with a big smurf on it you know those like three wheel things uh, yeah you pedal around and um his dad took the smurf off the front like there was like a smurf head on the front of the steering wheel area and the dad like took it off during the smurf scare but yeah. another valiant effort to like you know save the world they almost got really it. good so were your parents uh artistic or encouraging um, you as know you were growing up? my mom was always a doodler and i got that from her i remember like very vividly her like being on the phone like a corded spiral cord phone and sitting there and like filling an entire piece of paper up with like little doodles and even just like little patterns and designs and stuff. And I just like started doing that myself when I was like a kid. Nice. And I still will find myself doing that sometimes, like if I'm on the phone or something, just like outlining letters, you know? Right. Just like and then turning those into little. Yeah. Um, nice. And she was very like craft based. She's a teacher. Okay. And always had some kind of like, we're going to cut out little pieces of paper and make the hand turkeys or whatever, but so, like a lot more elaborate nice. for sure. Like very, it was like full afternoon. Cool. What are we getting into with mom today? So you had some good supplies in the house probably as well. Great supplies in the house. There was always glitter. There was always, <laughs> you know, that construction paper that like, smells really weird and bad. That's like um, the different colors and they're all like really bland the most right. bland red the most bland yellow yeah. you've ever seen right we always yeah. had that stuff kicking around nice right on yeah <clears throat> so you um like growing up were you encouraged in your art making like through junior high and high school in terms of like teachers you had or was there kind of a breaking point where you were like i think i might end up doing this you know there was i was what's the best way to put it like annoying and a bit of a bully and bored and in school a lot of the time and art was the only 
subject, I would like shut up and just actually sit there and do it and enjoy doing it. And so I think I was encouraged more so just to shut up sometimes. Yeah. But, but then I think because I was paying attention to it, like started to really uh, get into it and say, oh, this is like really great. And um, I think maybe potentially a turning point for me, I was thinking about this the other day, was that in high school, I got, when I graduated, a scholarship, an art scholarship. Okay. There was like a big art show for Can all the finish? seniors who wanted to put something in it. And then I like won the art scholarship. Okay. And this is like, I was like you know what? Maybe year? I'm good. Yeah, this was senior year of high school. Okay. What was the painting of or the drawing of? It was a self-portrait. <laughs> it was a self-portrait as a dog and the with like laying on a tile floor with like a food bowl but it had chicken parm in it which was my favorite chicken parmesan like my favorite italian dish and then its paw was like stretched out and wrapped around an old english 40 And for some reason, whoever the, the juror was for this art show just really got a kick out of it. And that would be too not to resonate with. It's saw always... something that I, I don't see now if I look at it. You know, they were really on a different level, this person. Well, you have that when you're teaching sometimes too, right? When you're like, you see something that's really good, but the person making it has no idea that it's good and they think it's right. bad. And you're like, no, just keep like, keep on, keep on keeping on. <laughs> I, I tell the kids sometimes I'll write them a little like email that's like, do whatever you're doing and please ignore my instruction for the remainder of the semester. Just like turn something in that looks like this last thing, <laughs> like keep going with that. So what, Cause I you mean, don't want to ruin them. Right. So you many can. kids get ruined by bad teachers. Yeah. I never see, I, I guess I never, maybe I just had thick skin or something or it was kind of like water off a duck's back. I definitely had a few like kind of brutal crits throughout the years. Um, like I can remember uh, Jed Pearl. Have you ever heard of him? He's like, a, mm -hmm. he writes for New York Times at, and stuff like that. But he came into my studio at CU and he was like exasperated. <laughs> like not angry, but he was more just like kind of exasperated, like what's it about? Like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be about something, you know, like Picasso's portraits are still people. Like, and I was like, oh, well, these are different kinds of people. Um, but do you have any memories of like a brutal critique that you had? Ooh. Brutal critique. Or something that's stuck, one... stuck in your mind good as well. It could yeah, be I mean, I, I have probably my most brutal critique but I didn't care about it at that point. Like someone just came in and was just vicious uh, in grad school. Mm -hmm. But like at that point, you're kind of like, I'm doing what I'm doing. I don't really care that you don't like it or think it's stupid or whatever. Um, but in undergrad, I had this like, it was like a drawing of a mountain. It was really like influenced by snowboard graphic art, you know, like what was on snowboards in 2002 or something. Nice. And the, the professor is old school guy who I like grow to appreciate more and more as I distance myself from being in his class over the years. He had some real gems. 
that he would say, but he just goes, I don't know what the hell you think this is, but it's, it's not good. And I just, <laughs> and I just like, I had like made this thing. I was so excited for crit. It was like the big end of the semester class crit. And then I, I like march it up there on the easel. And he's just like, the kids kind of were like, that's rad. That's cool. No, you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. And there's no real feedback. And then he right. just goes, it's just not good. It doesn't look like anything. You should try again. That's always tough. Yeah, with the good and bad thing. And then everybody's like, oh, it's all just relative anyway. You know, it's all just relative if you like it, which I don't think is kind of true because like we don't have like relatively no. good music. We all kind of know like Michael Jackson or wait, I, we're not allowed to talk about Michael Jackson. No, 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 no. Wrong <laughs> foot. Prince? Prince. Everybody Prince, loves great. Prince, right? Right. It's hard not to understand like Purple Rain is a good song. Um, well, I think that brings up a point that I think about a lot. Um, I think a lot more people are allowed to get away with making bad artwork. And I don't mean bad, like bad, yeah. theoretically bad, like shit you don't want to look at. Right. Because it's way less grading than sitting through like, if someone was like, hey, let me show you my painting. You look at it and you go, that's cool, man. And you can move on with your life you're not as assaulted as like your musician friend who's not good at playing music. Who's like, Hey, listen to my new album and tell me what you think. Like you're spending 42 minutes going like, right. Oh, just quit. Please just quit. I hate this. I hate you. I hate doing this. And then music has like a real right answer too. Right. So it's like, that's flat. <laughs> you're flat. You're like, I'm not flat. It's like, you're literally flat. I can hold up a machine <laughs> that says you're flat. <laughs> you know right that, right like, right these colors aren't harmonious but i suppose like you know that's one thing that's great about painting is that you get to kind of just feel it out the harmony well there's the always the people something. too that are like well that's the point yeah that's the point is that it and you're just like well i don't like your point i'm not here for your point <laughs> i don't want to be a part of this point true have you had any um so if you were if you were to give some advice for for young painters coming up, what would you tell them? Oh, if you're man. gonna teach them something. They're 18. They like your paintings. They want to make wildlife paintings, or not wildlife wow. landscape paintings. I would. Um, my advice would be to like get deep into into figuring out your what you like what you think is good. And then like, turn your phone off, turn your computer off. Don't look at anyone else's artwork for like four years until you can paint what you think is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then like, go back into saying, how do I make this better? I think people jump around a lot, right? Um, which is fine. But like, I don't think that's a way to get good at anything. The Instagram Other than learning how to jump around and change like a chameleon by what's right i've thought about it too where i'm like maybe i should just I, when i was painting for a while i was doing all the cut up portraits and stuff like that and during that series it was like so digital and cold and exploding and everybody thought they were violent a lot of people think my paintings are really violent 
And I'm like, yeah, totally. <laughs> you're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> sure. And uh, yeah, so I did a couple of like people on on uh, like drinking in the park together. And I did these really quiet paintings. And I was like, maybe I should just like paint, you know, flowers and stuff like that. You ever feel like you want to just like switch things up or approach things like a project or, you know what I mean? Like create I mean, a series of works about a certain subject or something like that. I mean, I actually just had this dream about these we were talking about horses uh these two sisters that are like teaching me and my girlfriend about horsemanship and how to take care of horses and we're just kind of obsessed with horses and i really i had this dream about doing a show about the horse sisters and so it'd just be like horses and these girls and the landscape yeah. and not that that my work currently is not pastoral and sweet but uh yeah i mean yeah i don't know sometimes i feel like changing it up drastically i'd love to just make a series of violent paintings like you're known for all the violence <laughs> that i mean um, yeah you could get it out get it out of your system yeah totally we're both so, you know you're doing just the wrong filled thing. with rage painting foxes and shit you know yeah. <laughs> It's like both of the pastoral scenes, those are wrong, aren't they? Abstract expressionism, also wrong. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe we should just switch. <laughs> Change it up. Um, did you do any, you did some of the sweeter paintings though, yeah? Yeah, I did the, yeah, a couple, like people, like I did said. Did you get bored? Um, hmm. Not really, they were kind of like playful. They were really playful. And it could be like figurative in a way I didn't care. Like goofy mm -hmm. figurative, like Picasso kind of figurative, you know, where you're just like, blah, 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 a little bit. Um, like if you've ever seen the, the documentary called The Picasso Mystery or The Mystery of Picasso, it's super cool. It's just him painting the whole documentary. Oh, it's great. Like, I could then, do that. And it's like a neurotic French guy smoking cigarettes. And like, Picasso has like a, a screen you know it's that reverse thing where they like shine a light through the paper so you can see the other side of it oh yeah yeah and he's like neurotically smoking cigarettes and he's like you got five minutes of film left like in French basically and then he's like <laughs> turning a you know um a turkey into a, a beautiful woman or something like that <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that you know. sounds great yeah um but yeah with the uh with like changing it up i guess in terms of like changing up stuff i didn't get bored and it just kind of was like one of those things where it was like oh i'm gonna paint this now and i was instead of like making portraiture i was like this is gonna be a person in the park so i've been thinking more about that especially because like my paintings got a lot more popular over the whole lockdown thing too that was mm -hmm. kind of but maybe people congratulations going, maybe they were just going crazy though <laughs> and they're like really resonating with them. <laughs> People might have just literally lost their minds, and you might have been where it landed. They just but that's at great. It. Like this is a great painting of a penguin, you know. <laughs> um, what's your uh, what's what would you say your top subject matter is? Just Earth, just the Earth, the the places. Places that I'd, I'd like to be, I think, actually, to be more specific. Uh, if I'm not painting what's in front of me, a place that I am, that I am enjoying being, I'm 
generally painting from memory a place that I wish I was instead of where I currently am, which is usually my studio. Mm -hmm. And where, what city are you in right now? I am in Taos, New Mexico right now. What's that like? It's dusty. It's very windy. Well, I'm not in Taos. I'm in Arroyo Hondo, which is a small little town just north of Taos. Um, and it's just like a big sea of sage. And uh, nice. the Rio Grande is about a quarter mile from my house. Um, and it's just very sweet and quiet and soft here. And I really like it. And Taos, Taos is, is pretty cool. And crusty in a way that I really like. Nice. Um, and it's kind of like a haven for weirdos and successful weirdos. And there's a lot of like really great artists and musicians and actors that all kind of have quiet little places just outside of the house. Oh, cool. Is it, um, <clears throat> I know like the desert itself, is it like really deserty? where you're at i've never been to taos it's not so deserty it's like high desert okay um it's not like cartoon mesa saguaro right. cactus desert yeah. it's um a little bit harsh but there are taos specifically a lot of little pockets of little creeks and the mountains are there so okay. there's aspen trees and lush little little places you can go hide from the desert sun but if you're just walking on the mesa in the middle of the summer it's feels pretty deserty there's cactus there's rattlesnakes all the check boxes scorpions i don't know if there's scorpions i don't think there's scorpions here nice i saw a scorpion um walking in a house and it like i couldn't sleep the rest of the night <laughs> when i was in arizona i was just like no just it was little too when those are the bad ones apparently so i was like doubly worse um so uh what brought you to taos that's a great question i as like uh kind of new agey as it sounds it's just really good energy here just mm -hmm. feels good to be here nice um and there's a lot of less new agey answer reasons that i could say but i think that's the main one uh, we were just, we were living in Denver after grad school at CU. Um, and we had a list of maybe eight places in the U S that we were medium excited to move and cool. Taos just kept moving to the back top of the list. So it was, we just found a place and went for it. And your girlfriend also has a gallery there, right? She does. She opened uh, a gallery called The Valley, um, which is at The Valley Taos. If anyone wants to check it out on Instagram, you got to plug the girlfriend's of course. gallery for sure. Um, and she actually, we had put an offer on a house and we were down here we didn't even know if we were actually going to get the place or anything and she was on craigslist like looking for patio furniture or something and found this gallery space on craigslist and nice what and signed the lease on it that, wow. that day and we were just like i was like i guess we're really definitely moving to taos then huh 
you got a gallery oh. now. or well she's got a gallery yeah. i should say she's got a gallery <laughs> i'm an intern i'm a an intern at the gallery you're getting coffee yeah i'm doing coffee runs i'm hanging stuff on the walls oh, okay that's true and you you i know you do have a some experience like hanging and moving art and stuff like that how did that work out like um you hung one of my paintings i know you have this big truck how did that come about you getting a big truck and starting a business kind of on your own well that's kind of a a long story but um i was i i can trace it back probably to right after undergrad i moved back to connecticut central connecticut uh and the town next to berlin is called new britain uh and in new britain there's a great museum called the new britain museum of american art and i was at one of their like late night functions that tries to get younger crowd interested in art mm -hmm. blah 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 and um ended up getting like pretty drunk and talking to some guy and i was like oh this guy's cool james he's cool and i wake up and there's an email from james that was like pretty much hey I, uh, you start next week and i was like so like start what i don't even really remember what i was talking about and so it turns out i had talked my way into a job as um the like exhibition coordinator and uh and kind of yeah it was like an entry level nice. uh like art handling and and uh whatever job and so I did that for like two and a half years and it was great you get to see all the things that are like hidden in the storage of the museum and I got to go travel all over the country and actually went to Japan for a week to courier one of my favorite paintings from the museum nice and it was like an amazing experience I was like in the storage at the Met at one point wow with like a curator who was just walk walking me through thousands of objects like um is it super climate controlled there and feel like you're in a storage at the Met? You feel like you're in Fort Knox. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like, they have a lot of rooms inside of the storage that feel like they're doing alien autopsies or something like these clean rooms where everything is white and there's like plastic sheeting and like air ducts sucking out the air and replacing it every like, wow. 13 seconds so there's no dust particles in the whole room or whatever um very cool ours did not look or feel like that at all ours felt like <laughs> you're like grandparents basement <laughs> like their root cellar a little bit um to get her done but it was a great experience and, and that was kind of where i um fell in love with the idea of like getting to touch art mm -hmm. i realized that like a lot of people don't ever get to like touch a painting you know true yeah and uh, I got to like manhandle these things and it was really fun and it feels, there's something different about it. And you, you like uh, have all these quiet or loud moments with things. Like I dropped a Thomas Moran painting once when I was hanging it, I was trying to hang it by myself and I shouldn't have been, and just shattered this like ornate frame. Oh God. <laughs> How big was it? It was like probably the painting itself was probably 24 by 36, but the frame was probably like a 14 inch 
gold leaf, super ornate frame. Oh, man. And this... I just broke it like in half. Like the whole corner broke off. <laughs> but only the frame, luckily. Just the frame, luckily, yeah. And uh, luckily we had a frame restore guy on the board at the museum. And that was like, I became kind of like an indentured servant at that point. They were like, well, you can't leave now. Yeah. You've learned this lesson. <laughs> we don't want. It's like leaving your you wallet at home now. and you got to do the dishes, basically, <laughs> yeah. at the restaurant. But yeah. is, is Thomas Moran one of your one of your people? He's a big landscape. He is one of my people. Yeah, he's one of my favorite painters of all time. Just cool. great. The, you're like the. I would maybe take that painting actually. Yeah, let's get into your paintings. Who are what's? Uh, give me one of your paintings. One of your. I'm gonna. Five. I'll go with. I'll go with that painting. It's um. Oh man, now that I'm on the spot, I can't think of the name of it. But it's okay. this beautiful painting of a storm uh, rolling into the Hudson Valley or somewhere like that um, with these like beautiful rapids in the foreground. Nice. He's like um, probably turn of the, or late 1850s or something like that. End of the 19th century, I imagine. You were right on the date. All right. 1864. Hudson Would I pick that one? Oh no. <laughs> I would maybe take his Grand Canyon painting. I think for the story, we'll stick with this one. <laughs> Fair enough. And the, can you imagine living with this in your house? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful painting. He was just so moody, that guy. Who's the, um, oh man, I can't believe I can't think of his name. The Birchfield? Is that his name? Birchfield? Yeah, Birchfield. Charles Birchfield. Yeah. I feel like I'm making yeah. that name up, but it's right. The he's also like turn of the 20th century, but amazing and expressionistic and psychedelic. He he's just outside the top five, I think. Nice. He was he was up there. He, yeah, I could imagine that he'd be in the running. Um, I just I subscribe to the the hashtag for him on Instagram. Oh yeah, it's yeah. just like consistently, <clears throat> consistently so much better than everything else i see on Instagram. <laughs> just like how can you be just i don't know i mean the, the the color the palette it's so like muted and like somber and rainy and but also like sometimes it's just like yellow and you're like just like plopping but it just yellow down. emanates joy too at yeah. the same time there was like this uh like a lot of these guys had this like reverence like the spirituality mm -hmm. you know right and uh do you know altdorfer albrecht altdorfer have you ever heard of him i think so he's, a, he's oh. one of the first um german uh german landscape painters but it was all about that kind of like <laughs> but yeah i don't know how to encapsulate it really quickly but exuberance the joy oh, yeah, of biodiversity wild. and he's got some big yeah he's got a couple huge ones which are these like fight scenes are crazy yeah yeah the fight scenes make no sense on the details there's like a thousand little like spears and stuff like that um so cool but it's like like his landscapey stuff is um pretty amazing too but it's kind of interesting like there are there's always like this um 
with with him at least i know there's like a big intersection with religion as well and like spirituality of some sort well there's i mean i was talking about this with a few people <clears throat> this prompt and the if it wasn't paintings that yeah a lot of people were like well i don't know what paintings i would choose but it was always like a james terrell okay. you know or like a, a olifer eliason or something you know like these okay. big just glowy things that have to do with some kind of like mystical spirit okay. and no right. one wants to like call it god or whatever anymore right so but right. you want to call it like something something i terrell i guess would <clears throat> talks about god and he's like I very him. i met him I, think actually. He's like... I sold him a eraser i worked at an art store in uh flagstaff arizona <laughs> and uh yeah i sold him an eraser actually wow which is better than a brush <laughs> brush with greatness <laughs> a laser a laser pointer or something but i didn't even know until he left and then my co-worker was like that's james terrell like, oh okay <laughs> cool but i mean he seemed super chill like a normal human being at least he yeah right he up. didn't like float he didn't just like levitate no he didn't come in on a hoverboard cool but now I mean, he wasn't a big deal I, I mean he was a big deal back then but um now it's kind of ascended to what is he? he's probably in his late 70s now so i imagine um he's getting to godlike status and didn't kanye use him in a video or some drake maybe i think drake collaborated um, with him there was a couple of those dan flavin dan flavin was another light guy um, just put like neon lights in the corner and stuff like that yeah less impressed with him for some reason i don't know it's like <laughs> there's light if people can use real light like there's one i've never seen it but i know terrell has one of just the sky um just like a square where you go and you look at the sky. Yeah, I like that. You don't need much more. That's like what the, the whole crater thing is. Right. I've just seen like some mock-ups of it. I don't think it's even open, is it? Yeah. I think it might have like just opened. Okay. Potentially. Do you feel like some, would you want to go see that? And experience oh, yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a fanboy. Okay. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> So that's pretty, you know, do you have any other artists that are like not painters who you kind of like resonate with like that, that you can imagine or think of? Terrell's mm. kind of a strange one because it's so hard not to like him because he just, he's just too good. Yeah. Well, it's, I, he's kind of emblematic of, of this like feeling that I think is missing from so many people's work. Um, where people are just trying to be so smart and smarter than the viewer and sarcastic and whatever. And he's like, have you looked at the fucking sky lately? Yeah. Take a look at it. Or like, <laughs> you ever just like looked at like colors? They're pretty cool, right? Like right. there's, it, he's just not, and you can write whatever you want and you can frame it however you want. But like, yeah. I, there's just this really basic like awe that he's embracing in his work that's like this is crazy isn't it crazy yeah look how cool that is i don't even know anything about what i have no idea what's written about his work <laughs> at all but i still i love can't it, even you know? read so i don't <laughs> so fun fact about me i mean i was gonna ask you about like you know with um 
writing statements and those sort of things. What are your opinions on those? Do you read statements when you go into galleries? Do you ignore them? How do you feel about writing I will, yourself? I like to look first. And then usually I'll read a statement. I mean, I'll, I'll generally always read a statement if there's one around. I'll yeah. care to read it. I'll be excited to read it if I don't. If I look at the work and I'm just like, I don't care about this or I don't get this or whatever. Right. Um, I like to know what the person was thinking, mainly so that I can say, well, don't do that, whatever this is. Yeah. Don't do this in the future. You mean uh, in, like the statement, in the statement itself or in the work? Like, don't do this in the statement? Like, it, I mean, like when you read a statement and you're just like, this isn't that. Right. Right. Okay. So then it's just kind of like, well, make sure you don't do this in the future. It just goes into like the lessons I've learned from someone else box. Right. And sometimes it can um, be the other great reason to read a statement is to ridicule right. the like over contextualization, <laughs> the language. I mean, it's got its own language. That's yeah. just that shit drives a lot of people out the door. <laughs> Well, it's like, I mean, what is it? It is a question. Like if you're writing a statement for a residency about a certain place, it kind of makes sense that you want to, you know, show people that are reading a hundred statements. Maybe you stick out in some way or, you know what I mean? Like that kind of makes sense to me. Or like maybe there's an academic that, you know, is reviewing these things and you're like, okay, I have to sound smart um, right. for this. Right. But like when you're in a gallery setting, I don't know who the hell they think they're talking to. <laughs> it baffles me and we i sometimes ari and i will go and ari is uh she got a degree in art history oh boy and um is always writing and reading these kinds of things and we okay. will go in and grab a, a copy of the statement and then like take it home and cross things out and then rewrite it in the plainest language that we can and yeah. sometimes it'll be boiled down to like two sentences yeah and to what we think is a much better statement. So, I mean, that's probably a good uh, insight into how I'm learning to write statements. I wouldn't even say that I'm good at that, mm -hmm. but I think I've, I've come to like, from going to grad school, there's like, they want you to write more and more and more. And I right. think eventually you boil that down and say like, how can I say this in like two sentences that right. don't sound pretentious? I think some I, people never do that, but right. Uh, that's a. I mean, that's the best exercise I've given to my students before too. Where oftentimes I'll find they have the best lines at the end because they're trying mm -hmm. to like do the kind of conclusion, uh, like write a conclusion for their statement, and they'll be like clear for like a second, <laughs> and then it's always <laughs> like it's like a trick almost where you're like, I think this state this sentence should be in the front, you know. And then yeah like, and then you should just delete the rest of this yeah just get rid of that or like yeah the, um, the other idea where it's like you're at a barbecue with um a bunch of people from a financial consulting agency <laughs> and some guy comes up and he's like hey what do you do you know and then you say i'm a painter um, you know or probably right do you say you're a painter right. or an artist I say I'm a painter generally. But. I usually say painter so that if I don't want to talk to the person about art and they start talking about art and I don't want to engage, I can be like, oh, no, no, I, I, right. I'm a painter. I paint. 
I'm it. <laughs> and then you know the next question. So what do you paint? So what do you paint? Yeah. So I usually I, there's an in-between statement that's like, my sister paints. Okay. Or like true. They want to qualify that they know they know a little something about art here. I'm not just your average guy off the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, it's true with painting. They, they, we leave stuff, you know, painters leave stuff around too. It's not like musician. Right. Like if your sister was a musician, nobody would have to deal with her songs, you know, in the basement, taking up space. And then you got to hand her song down to your granddaughter and all this. Um, That's interesting. It goes back a little bit to what we were saying about how assault of it is in the moment, mm -hmm. a bad song. Yeah, but in the past you can remember it as this. Oh, she was just the most wonderful singer. Yeah, but there's no recordings of her. You know, like you can just you say she was in the moment. Maybe you don't want to listen to her, but like when you when you put a little bit of nostalgia on it, what a sweet song that was. Just so lovely. Everything was great. the The time and place probably play a huge role in that. I'm sure. But then the paint, I think you gotta, if you are not a good painter, you have to burn all your paintings when you die, before you die. <laughs> That's so that everyone just, so then it's just this like hand-me-down story of like, he was such a great painter. He was, there are no surviving paintings, but he was so good. This will be like the Huffington Post title of your podcast. <laughs> if you're a bad painter, you just have to burn your paintings before you die. <laughs> That's a way to That's leave a legacy, you know, the correct way to do it. Yeah, Baldessari. Make sure there's paintings. no evidence to the contrary. Baldessari burned all his paintings and made them into cookies. So, you know, he was a cool guy. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's one way to do it. Just I don't know if people ate the cookies. Probably not too good to eat them. Probably now, not. No. Now they'd probably, you know, back when I was growing up, you know, we'd eat the cadmium cookies, but. You know, I was going to say, back in the know? 60s, there weren't many things that could hurt you on pa on paper, you know? Right. <laughs> Admium. Eh. Are you, uh, do you paint with, so you paint all in oils, yeah? No, acrylic. Those are all acrylics? Yeah, mostly, yeah. Okay. That's I, I do, me. I love oil painting, though. And it's really just a health thing. I don't. Yeah. Until I have a studio that I can like, that's Holy not God. in my house. Uh, I just don't like having all that stuff floating around. Right. Dang. Those look great. I mean, not that I'm saying like, those look great for acrylics, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I always figured, I just figured they were oils. I didn't know they were actually acrylics. So I mean, there's. So oh, go they, ahead. They like, so you're, when you're painting, like what's your process you start with a sketch and kind of like block in foreground, middle ground, background, or like, how do you, how do you jump into a, a scene that you're painting? I like to think about what I want to paint until I just like, can't stand not painting it anymore. Okay. Um, like, like, I might have the urge to start it or something, but I don't want to put paint on a canvas or panel or whatever until I like can't stand the thought of not working on it for another minute. 
So how long, I mean, how long are you working on these paintings generally? I think like my 24 good by painting, 36 or something. Yeah. The one behind me that yeah. is four by five feet. Um, I painted in one day. Really? I think the, that my best paintings are painted in one day where there's no interruptions to my thought process. The paint's like wet all day. I think if it, I was painting in oil, maybe I could take a little longer. Mm -hmm. But um, I just like to paint fast and like with a sense of urgency, like I just want it to not have existed in the morning and exist when I go to bed at night, you know? Nice. Um, and and I don't generally do a sketch. I just kind of, I think my best paintings, I, I put some, I pick like three colors and say, these are gonna be the main colors in this painting. And I just start in the background and I work forward. And then I just continue doing that over and over and over. And when you mean like pick three colors, you're talking about tubes or mixed, like you mix up three colors or? I'll mix up three colors. Okay. Um, and just kind of like put them on the canvas next to each other and say like, okay, these are doing what I want in this painting. Because nice. they're usually a whole, a whole painting is in service of like one little section where like these two colors just kiss mm -hmm. and it's just this sweet little yeah thing that the whole painting's about. That might be the thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's the, the like, it's like a love story, you know, and you want there to be some tension and the parts that don't make sense. And then, but then you eventually get to this part where you're just like, all of that's in service of this little two square inch section here. Pink and blue. Pink and blue, dusky purple and, and ultramarine. Yeah. Whatever. Nice. That's just the... want to see. You want to see them get close, and then you just really want to see the just that kiss, so, and then the story is over. There's no more tension. Move on. Next painting. I wonder why we. I mean, that's the whole deal with like writing and films and all that sort of thing too. It's all about tension, you know. I wonder why right. we as humans are preoccupied with like gravitating towards things that are kind of unsettling, <laughs> you know. Well, you want you want to be you want it to be set in this world where things are chaotic and don't make sense and are horrible or whatever, and you just want to believe that there's a moment where it's all going to be worth it. I think. So, so when you're painting these, um, so we're looking at what like seven eight hours maybe on that painting behind you, or more like you're going for marathon sessions or like that's probably more like four. ten. 10 hours that's pretty that's a big yeah. that's a pretty big session then um how often do you do something like that like do you i mean do you do like a bunch of little paintings or like how often are you painting actually i'm checking in <laughs> i almost don't want to say this <laughs> you oh, go wow. crazy for a month and then oh, you can take a oh, break podcast. i probably like paint on average probably two days a week okay but you maybe. go hard those two days you feel but like i go that. hard those two days that's fair enough that's maybe an exaggeration that's quite a bit though i mean yeah do you feel like um are you familiar with beeple the guy that made the the painting that got sold for 70 million dollars and all that 
I do know of this this people, yeah. I mean, the thing that kind of, you know, Beeple's paintings, digital paintings mostly, didn't seem that exciting to me. But the fact he actually painted every day, he's done this every day for like 12 years now, <laughs> you know, which is like a whole different art project altogether yeah. almost, you know, which is Beast kind of... Mode. Yeah, and it's just like unending. He's still doing them too. He's like, he's got what a hundred million in the bank, and he's like, oh, I still got to make a painting of Kim Jong Il eating a donut, you know. <laughs> like, for some reason, he keeps going. Uh, what do you think? Like, can you describe? Like, do you feel obligated to paint, or do you feel like the urge to paint? Like, what what motivates you to to make work like that when that day comes where you're like, I'm gonna do a marathon session. And bust this out. I mean I think it, it's that feeling that like uh I have this idea of a thing I want to look at and it doesn't exist yet mm -hmm. I think if if I had the feeling to make this painting you know and then all of a sudden on my Instagram feed the exact painting I was thinking of popped up I all my motivation to make it would be gone right there, I mean, there's a sense, so you feel like there's like the sense of accomplishment, like you did, you, you did it, and there it is. Yeah, like that didn't exist, and now it exists. But the other thing is kind of the more romantic version of that is, um, like I was saying, these are all places I generally like wish I was or things I wish I saw or um, did see and just want to, I just want to sit there and think about it for 10 hours. Yeah. Do you listen to stuff? And just say... What was it like that day? I saw that rainbow and I was at the river and it was really golden. And I don't really remember all the details. So it's a little fuzzy. So like, let me try and fill in the details to the best I can remember or something that gives me the same feeling. Right. And it's like just kind of a nice, yeah, a nice way to spend time with a memory. Cool. And do you listen to stuff when you're painting? I do. I listen generally to the to the same like three and a half hour playlist okay and it um it's because it's it's all songs i really like that energize me mm -hmm. but that i know so well that i i'm not like sick of them even because i don't even really listen to them right it's just something to be on that's familiar mm -hmm. that i'll have these moments similarly to like the the that little moment kiss of pink and blue or whatever yeah um where it's like you listen to the whole song for that one thing and mm -hmm. i'll catch that part and nice. and say to myself to put that get that in the painting that feeling get it and then you replay that playlist again so it goes three and a half i listen to that playlist i probably listened to that playlist 1500 times in the last year nice so it's got Hootie and the Blowfish. Hootie's uh, on there. <laughs> it, it's almost exclusively Rusted Root with a few Hootie breaks. Send me them away. <laughs> that song is on there in a 10 in a ten song chunk. It's just on repeat. The and then version. I move on to some other. But what do you, I like, is it a certain genre of songs or is it more like nostalgic kind of? familiarity of the songs it's so all over the place it's like okay. some soundtrack from mm -hmm. films that i really like and okay. it's usually that moment in the film that's right. like it's happening nice um 
and it goes anywhere from kind of some classical music to some uh soul mm -hmm. kind of motowny stuff and then into you know some newer rock stuff or whatever it's just cool i think it's i mean it's kind of like one of those things like i listen to a lot of like podcasts now now i'm kind of like a podcast painter type mode but before i would only play like these terrible 80s movies like i wonder if there's like a similar thing where it's like it's not meant to be watched or kind of paid attention to but it's there right you know what i mean and did you watch the same ones kind of over yeah. and over you... yeah endlessly ninja 3 is the big one um but yeah no i just be, like put it on and it, you could hear the music from the movie as well and like right it was kind of like and you'd be like oh i like this part and you like look yeah, over for a, stop second. for a second yeah exactly yeah. nice um, yeah i like there's something about the familiarity of it that um if i if there's something i'm too interested in or you need to pay attention to for it to make sense right i don't want my attention on something else you know i don't know i actually don't know how people listen to podcasts when they paint so many people i talk to listen to podcasts and i'm just like I just can't engage in two things at once. Right. Yeah, I can't do books. I tried to do books, like audiobooks, and I can't do that. So I don't know why podcasts kind of work. Um, but yeah, because like book, books Maybe are too much. I hate would work. Yeah. Like those are great. Those are great for me. <laughs> I love ones when there's somebody like I really disagree with. Is it like literally takes me out of what I'm doing? But I don't know if that's. <laughs> the goal necessarily you're kind of the opposite the aren't goal you? for me right but yeah that's true i like that for you though yeah no because you uh, like i i should probably be more careful with it too because i often tell my students i'm like just do what you normally do but paint it's like find 30 minutes you know if you're watching whatever on netflix the kids are watching these days um just like if you can use that time because you know they're watching an average of four hours of Netflix a day. Right. So if they can use 30 minutes of that a day to sketch, then it's like get into the routine and actually make something. But yeah, just sketch during the intro to the show. Right. Five minutes. You're gonna watch eight episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that's some real time you can put in. I had one, I had a teacher a long time ago in high school, and he told me to paint or uh, draw from TV, draw people on TV like just, just quick sketches and stuff like that. So when there's like, you know, it'd be like law and order. So you'd see the same person again and again, you know, so. Jerry Orbach, just all day. I don't know, who's Jerry Orbach? That's a law and order person? Yeah, he was the, he was the guy who was like the grumpy old detective. Okay. And then you had Sam Watterson, who's like the, he was the lawyer guy. Okay. With the great hair. I don't know anything. I was watching Ricky Lake. Uh, and Judge Judy. So well, that you get people and all like a lot more uh, animated if you're watching like Ricky Lake. You got people throwing stuff, and but it's the same person at least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would you say? Um, can you remember the worst painting that you ever did, or like some a painting that you did that you're like, this is awful. I'm. You know. <laughs> This kind of goes back to the critique question also. I just thought of this when you said that. Um, I made a, this uh, 
painting of my grandparents for their anniversary. Right. And I, it was at this point where I felt like I was a lot better at painting than I was, mm-hmm. but I was like decent, you know? Right. Good enough to like, kind of good. Right. And I mean, I painted this painting, I worked on it, put it in a frame and everything. And I <laughs> gave it to my grandparents for their wedding anniversary. And my grand grandpa just goes, it doesn't look anything like us. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And just was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this. And he just like gave it back to my dad like the next day or something. And I was, was like, canvas? Like, like yeah, canvas. it was like on canvas. It was oil on canvas. It was oh. varnished. It was like, Yeesh. but it was. I mean. I found a picture of it and it was bad. It wasn't a good, it didn't look like them and it wasn't good, but my confidence really filled in some gaps on that one. <laughs> was there a lot of burnt sienna like in the background? Trying to make it look sienna. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Rembrandt-y or something? Super classically painted, dark background, three-quarter yeah. portrait, overemphasized yeah. light on the face, you know? Yeah. One side. Caravaggio bullshit. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Caravaggio, I mean, yeah, he's the, like, I don't know. Can we learn about Caravaggio anymore? Do they teach Caravaggio in them schools? I don't know. I feel like they must. I don't know. He's the the guy. He is the guy, that's for sure. He had his, like, I know he had a knife. I, I don't know what was on the knife, but he had a knife with an inscription on it, and it was, like, you know, something like biblical where it's like he who keeps his knife free from blood disturbs god or something like that (laughs) (laughs) Um, so i know he was pretty hardcore and he did stab a guy during a tennis match so um it's not tennis supposedly it was like a form of tennis he was playing and um he yeah he got an altercation with the guy he was playing with and stabbed him that's when he went on the run and then he started making all the paintings, getting his head chopped off and stuff like that. Because he was scared that he was going to get his head chopped off. Right, right. So he, like, kept painting it. I'm looking through my other questions here. What do you think, do you have anything that you think is analogous to painting? Like, something like painting that's not painting? That I do or that I just yeah, think about? just, like, a hobby or something that you do that you kind of feel like taps into that same thing that painting does i i feel like uh i'm not good at any of these things because i don't give them enough time but there's i mean there's a ton my my new one that i'm just like constantly frustrated with is gardening oh nice i am i want to treat it like i treat painting Mm -hmm. which is very casual and slapdash and Right. looking for moments of greatness that come out of mistakes but there is no room for mistakes in gardening not as many um but there is just like an endless amount to learn there's all these nuances mm-hmm. um it provides untold levels of joy yeah things that you work on change over time there's all nice. these parallels i think Pre- it's about 
No, that's oh, a good no, one. Go I think like with, I mean, and there's a whole history of painters like Monet had a garden. I think they his garden still exists even. Like you can go visit Monet's garden. I think that's true. Yeah. Can do you do perennials or more annuals? I think you can go put on a three piece suit and go paint in Monet's garden. You if probably you want can to. now. Yeah, it's probably an experience on Airbnb that you can. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that. Uh, I do perennials. I do annuals. I do it all. And the nice. vegetable garden, that's a oh, whole right. another story. And yeah, the other thing tough. about gardening is th there's all this knowledge. Mm -hmm. available right people have toiled to give you this like this base of knowledge so that you might do even better and mm -hmm. that similarly to painting i just don't I ignore that completely and just right <laughs> and just do what i feel like doing to my own chagrin all of the time and it's just there. It's sitting there waiting for you to just read or learn about it or whatever. And it will just be, it's just so helpful if you just would do it. Cooking is the same way, I think. Music, yeah. obviously, those are like maybe more similar uh, parallels. Tall stuff in the, or with gardening. I remember when I realized you're supposed to put tall stuff in the back. <laughs> It's like a revelation. Yeah. It's like put your sunflowers in the back and then put your shorter stuff in the front. And then you're just like, oh, it's yeah, if you it just says it right on the little tag if you read the tag. Right. Back up this in April or whatever. <laughs> I would I always thought I was gonna get like bigger tomatoes by growing them earlier. And when I mm -hmm. did it a couple times, I'm like, oh I can I'll just start in February and then they'll just be bigger. And then they just die by like May. Yep because you gotta just, just they're just a withered sack by may yeah yeah. Gotta pretty much wait. yeah you don't you don't need to reinvent it mm -hmm. is what i've but you got a garden going on right now i do i have a garden going on we have a little courtyard nice. it's very windy here okay where i live specifically and so you need to you need to pick things that are resilient Mm -hmm. and then you need to baby things that are not okay. and so like you can build a courtyard and that's where you put all your soft little delicate flowers and stuff mm -hmm. um trees for for like three to five years you're supposed to have some kind of wind block for them mm -hmm. until they're like until they have decided they live here you know and that they're not gonna let the wind beat them up nice. but it's uh yeah, it's a real struggle. And the vegetable garden, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I wish it's I got tough. it, but I don't. I, just I mean, don't there's get some it. people that can just turn it out and like they got squash like nonstop or something. Yeah. Like, that's tough. I'm going to be lucky if I, we, we were doing seeds early season. We bought some plants. We, I built these beds. I followed nice. all the recommendations on the soil and the pH and the, the add this, oh. add that, mix it all together. I got drip lines set up. So that I can't even miss the watering or anything, and That's we'll be lucky if we get a salad out of the like right. <laughs> out of what we. <laughs> tomatoes, but yeah, you're in a you're in a tough climate there too, I suppose. Pretty brutal. No, I mean it is, but you see people who are just right bountiful harvests, and yeah. I I just don't get it. We let a guy 
are you familiar with community supported agriculture have you ever heard of that where it's like mm -mm. it's basically like a, a person uh takes a bunch like gets 30 dollars a month from a bunch of people in the community and then so if he gets a hundred or she gets a hundred um hundred dollars from a hundred people what is that ten thousand dollars and then they like make food for that ten thousand dollars worth of food but we let a person do that on our farm and like have a little section and it was just ridiculous how much food they made like how you know we have a, a pretty big farm but it was like you know like a square block or something like that plot and it was just like non-stop food we're getting bags of food on our front doorstep like every week <laughs> all summer and into the fall it's like how it's insane how much food you can make from just a, a small amount the land. people who can do that are just magicians it's yeah i think i i think people who don't make art or something you know feel the same way about a painter who's good at painting yeah we're just like there's no i've i've tried i've used all the things that you have i have right. you know they, they talk about the brush like that you know i had a friend <laughs> yeah. who started painting and it was like it's like i got the the taclon you know six flat and i'm like i have no idea like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like every time i come to the studio i'm like i okay i have a brush that's decent i have my old crappy brush that's almost dead i'm happy for that or you have all crappy brushes which is pretty common too or are you big that's a comfortable place are you a you materials like nerd um i'm i've become particular but i'm not yeah. i wouldn't say i'm a nerd mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of things that are great that probably would benefit me if i learned about them i think a nerd is always learning probably mm -hmm. but i've i've just I guess I've just gotten comfortable with certain things and I'm now I'm scared to use anything else. No, I'm the same. I'm like, yeah. I have like I four use like colors. The Princeton brushes that are like at right. the cash register at the art supply store. Me too. Yeah. And then I'll have like, I have like a couple special brushes. Mm -hmm. There's this one, what's it called? Zen, Zen nickel or something like that. And there's these nope. extra long, uh, liner brushes okay and they make them kind of big so you can like really flick it around nice. and that's like a brush that i until i got that one i'd never i'd always wanted it and then i like saw it i was like oh i'm buying 15 of these <laughs> and i just like nice. grabbed the whole jar of them at the art supply store and just bought them all nice and now i think i'm down to like two i don't know if i'll ever find them again <laughs> right they i mean i'm always just a flat and then I go on the side for the straight lines. It's kind of my deal. Oh, you can turn those? You can turn those flat brushes on the side. <laughs> That's cool. And make a thin line with them. I never <laughs> thought to do that. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, I did like I always, you know, I, I mean, on a good day, I would paint with my students. Some days I would just set up and like paint with them in the studio. Yeah. And um, that was always a fun exercise because I remember when I was at the Lime Academy, this woman susan stevenson who is one of my teachers there i think she teaches in california now um somewhere but um she was just like so nice she was from louisiana and she was just like oh sweetheart like <laughs> and then she like showed me like cadmium paint and like to turn my brush sideways 
and it was like oh these that's why my yellow doesn't work like it's right it's a transparent yellow hmm like yeah i mean those things i also took me just forever to figure out because i think a lot of people who understand that don't you know are not great teachers they go get this yellow and this yellow and this yellow and you're like why do i have so many fucking yellows and it's because one's a warm transparent yellow and one's a warm opaque yellow and one's a cool transparent yellow and one's a cool opaque yellow but they don't sit there and tell you that or so then you don't figure that out for years a naples yellow and you're just like sorry you can't use this for anything like what it's yellow it's like naples yellow just needs to be banned i think but it's you know it's tied to that classical romantic whatever i don't know what you use it for i literally have no idea what to do with naples yellow what do people use it for it's good for a gray (laughs) (laughs) all right i'll use it for my grays i can i can see that mix a gray a little blue in there yeah ultramarine and that and you've got the deadest color on earth that's okay that's a good answer to that that makes sense um tell me a little bit well do you got a other paintings you want to talk about some other of your your five paintings i'm gonna go just in case we spiral off yeah run out of time i'll go with my number one pick the number one painting that i would choose to have in my home that would have like the place of honor above the mantle would be the hunt by winslow homer okay do you know that painting i feel like i do is it an old man with some like beaver pelts and stuff on his back no No. okay so tell me what's going on in the hunt you're so far off (laughs) (laughs) what's going on in the um, really kind of gloomy uh winter day and it's maybe it's like i'll bring it up it's stormy or something like that and there's these fields of snow receding into the distance. There's the ocean, like this glowy Winslow Homer turquoise ocean. Right. And then in the foreground, there's this fox. And a, like a crow is chasing it. Nice. And the crow is like, it's like two thirds of a crow in the top right corner of the painting. And there's just something about this painting that just does it for me. I just think about it all the time obviously i don't know the the name of it off the top of my head but i (laughs) i do it's made this like lasting and it has there's something about new england mixed in there like home there's something about home mixed into like why i love it so much Mm -hmm. and then it's got the animals it's got this interaction it's so like um Like Isn't the shapes are really bold, but then there's a lot of subtlety. There's got it's got this glow. It's got everything that I want in a painting. I think maybe why I paint what I paint is just because I'm hoping I might accidentally paint this painting <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Super high contrast I can to see in it, like really dark against white as well. So it's pretty loud painting. In a way, you know. Yeah, in a way. It's the fox. Just love it. It's the fox going through the snow, right? Yeah, he's running through the snow. Nice, like really angular composition as well, but pretty quiet. Yeah, active. We got action lines. We got it all. What do you think is going in? 
in Winslow Homer, he was a, a New England person, was he not as well? I think so, yeah. Feels kind of dry. I think he's, I, he didn't live in Maine. I think he spent a lot of time in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. His seascapes. And we had a lot of his seascapes at the New Britain Museum of American Art. Okay. So I would like see all these paintings. And there was just something about the way he painted. It was really confident and like luscious, like big, thick brushstrokes. Right. And these gradients, these like beautiful gradients that were super subtle. Like you'd look at, like in this painting, you look at the ocean and it goes almost from white to like a very, very, very dark blue green. Mm-hmm. But the, like the transition just gets like, it just sucks you in and you forget that it's happening, that you're like looking at this moonlight or whatever it is, just receding into the distance. There's yeah, just, it, is a night, it is a night painting, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is night actually, yeah. Nice, do you, um, do you do a lot of night paintings? I used to, I used to be very into night paintings. Nocturne. It was all I wanted to do. Yeah, uh, and I had this whole series of paintings that was called Night Swimming. Night Swim? Oh, Night Swimming. Right. Night Swim. And it was all about kind of uh, pool hopping with my friends mm-hmm. or just like how sexy it is. It's just very sexy. The whole, the colors are sexy. There's like this glow. You have like naked silhouettes and you have landscape features i had all the things that i want to paint in a trailer nice i don't know why i stopped painting those go back to the night well you can always go back you could do a what I, what animals I swim might. is there any animals that swim at night i don't know My, bugs bugs get caught in the pool but yeah i don't know like but you could throw some, you know you could put it i could put paint a deer doing anything and that'd make me happy probably maybe some deer in some backyard swimming pools could you imagine like if you if you got an all expensive or all expenses paid trip to I don't know um, the rainforests of Brazil or something like that does that like appeal to you or are you do you kind of feel like you're more into like the the environment you're in and you have to live there that sort of thing Oh no I mean travel Traveling to paint is what I'm going for. That's like part of the goal. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great way to like uh, interact with an environment that you're in, a new environment. I, I find that if I paint somewhere, I'll have like much more vivid memories of that place. Nice. Um, and then sometimes I have to throw the painting away because then I just start remembering the painting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like painting the painting and then I have the painting and I'm like, this is what it was like there. And it's like, that's not what it was like there. I think photos are even kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. For me, like really particularly, but I think everyone does this to some degree where like your memory starts to just turn into the photo. Right. Or the photo just turns into, like replaces your memory. Mm-hmm. So I think I like don't take photos of places a lot of the time because I just want to have whatever weird memory of it instead of some photo that becomes like the stand-in for the memory. Those can be really, I think like with sketching 
at least with me can be a really powerful like memory connection even if it's like some stuff on a table or you know what I mean if it's from 12 years ago you're kind of I can get brought back to there in a in a different way like then well it's a souvenir right it's like the that's how I think of of like plein air paintings like uh it's like a low impact souvenir Mm -hmm. no one was harmed in the making of that souvenir generally unless you really want to expand upon whatever but um and where were you're you? You're not taking anything, right? You're 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 having this experience. You're making this thing. You're taking it home. What can you? And then you have that. What can you tell me about uh, the Swab residency? What you're doing um, with that? Well, it's called adventure painting now. It's adventure. But painting. it did start out as Swab. Okay. Um, the first iteration was called Swab because uh, we named it Southwest American Bullet. Nice. Um, and and so we took this big moving truck that I think we started talking about and then never finished talking about, but I have this big moving truck mm-hmm. um, and me and my friend, Aaron Zolpo, uh, hatched a plan to take a 21 day trip through the American Southwest and paint two to three plein air paintings a day. Nice. Uh, and we did end up doing pretty much two or three every day and driving co- like countless hours to go see these weird little out of the way landmarks and whatnot. Um, and it was just so much fun. It was like this served as this dual documentation slash a thing to do all over the Southwest. Like yeah. um, you go see this beautiful place and I didn't just want a picture of it. You want to you know, do something while you're there um so that was the first the first trip and we went from i lived in denver at the time we went down through new mexico um through a lot of arizona to nevada california and then back through utah and colorado and so we stopped at like a lot of national parks and then just painted like i remember one morning we woke up we had parked out at a gas station and we looked across the street and we we're like, that's great. We should just paint that. And it was just some random spot. Um, so, and then it's, um, and, and that other is, people have done it since then. Right. Yeah. On that trip, we had uh, Sophia Hamans, another painter that we really liked, um, came out and painted the Grand Canyon with us. Nice. Um, and then we developed it further and uh, started inviting people for these like all expense paid uh, around two week trips. Mm-hmm. Um, and so two years ago, we did the whole West Coast from Seattle down to Los Angeles. Okay. We had two groups of artists for each uh, leg of the trip. Um, and it's just about going on a road trip and and with the main idea being that you just make a few paintings every day and these are people you know personally that you kind of invite on or is it like is there ever an open call to there we're working on there being an open call right it's it's tough because you have to live with the people for two weeks that's true and we're not like getting paid right so it's not like oh it's my job to be nice to you so it kind of has to be someone you're like i'm gonna get a lot from this person yeah uh on the one that we did two years ago 
I didn't know personally three of the artists that we brought out of five. Mm-hmm. I had never met them in real life. I'd maybe like sent them a couple Instagram messages or something. Okay. Um, but they all ended up being great. And nice. yeah, we had a great time. And we're actually, um, we've been doing these kind of like more COVID safe ones this last year um, where we just mm-hmm. go to somewhere where one of us already lives and then meet up with some people. Okay. We're not really like posting them. Um, but that's been great. Met a lot of great artists. And uh, we're actually doing uh, a version of this at the Armory uh, in September, the Armory yeah. show. Because nature really does, I mean, it includes everything, you know, mm-hmm. even the monstrosities that we build and call cities or whatever. Um, so, but it's still, it's still going to be very exciting to paint with a bunch of uh you know, painters that we know and some people we don't know um, and find something pretty or something that we care about or something to point out or whatever people's reason is for painting. So these will all be uh, urban urban landscapes? Yeah, they'll, they'll be, we're going to do the residency for a week before the armory. Wow. Um, in New York City. So it'll be like parks, but also like, we have this this idea that we're gonna rent these Airbnbs and then like paint out the windows at night, like invite mm-hmm. people to come paint out the windows at night, yeah, and that we would be kind of like keeping Tom slash artists. Yeah, that sounds great. That's a good idea. Might get some interesting stuff from that. For sure. If somebody, I mean, you got to find um, right. And then we'll be. Those. That's the tough part, isn't it? Yeah, you got to find some pervs that want to come paint with you. You know. True. that's Um, awesome yeah so that's exciting and then we're gonna after after this year we should be back to our like normal format of taking people on a big trip cool and you imagine doing this more than once a year in the future yeah i mean this year we're gonna be doing five or no four altogether oh wow two uh, like two weekish uh chunks and it feels like a lot feels like the max yeah that i'd be able to do i mean that's something you could really easily um use as like a an application to to go paint in ghana or something too or in lithuania or you know what i mean romania or something too it would just like cue right into dealing with the natural environment iceland you ever want to go to iceland Oh yeah. I bet that's awesome. I bet Iceland's great. I, I have been to Iceland. Really? Uh, it was in the winter, so it was kind of not that wow. glamorous. But, um, how long is this podcast? I have a great story about why why I went to Iceland. <laughs> Let's get into it. Yeah, we can there's no uh, there's no limits, man. Um no, you know, I don't know. We don't need to tell that story. That's fine. Um, well, how old were you when, when you were there? How old, hmm? were you? How old were you when you were there? That was like maybe 10 years ago, probably. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, so were... 26. Okay. Right on. But I, wa- I won the tickets. I won the plane tickets to go on this trip. How, you got to tell me where you won them. At okay. So Iceland Air had chosen, I guess, Denver as its sister airport or something like that. 
mm -hmm. um, and was starting these these like daily trips to Iceland, daily flights okay. to Iceland. And as part of the promo, they were doing a ticket giveaway and it was a scavenger hunt. And there were these like marketing people from Iceland Air that were in town. Uh, and they had a lot of buildup on like Facebook at the time. Now, I don't even think there was like Instagram at the time. It was on Facebook. Yeah. And they were like posting clues about, about where they would be. And then they would post a photo and be like, come find us and say the password or whatever. And you get two free round trip tickets to anywhere Iceland Air flies. Wow. And my friend, who is just like an obsessive guy and like loves contests and stuff, uh, was just driving around with his phone, refreshing the page, driving around downtown Denver on the first day. And was there like within like 15 seconds. It was like they posted a photo and he was like, that's right across the street. He like left his car in the middle of the road, ran across the street. And they were just like, wait, what? Holy shit. How are you here already? Like they thought it was going to take hours. They had like all these clues ready. Oh no. And he was just like there. He was just, so he's like sitting there talking with these people who, we're planning on being there for several hours. And there was like, they were like, oh, where else should I go? Where else could we go? That's like a great Denver landmark. And so he's like talking with these guys about where they should go. And then he calls me, tells me he won these tickets and says, I know where they're going to go because I told them all the places to go. <laughs> oh, no. And so I was like so jealous and depressed that he was going to take his girlfriend to Iceland that I didn't even like go the next three days. I didn't go, I didn't even try. And he was like, you gotta try, you gotta win these tickets so that we can all go to Iceland together. And I was like, okay, all right. So he comes, he picks me up. We're like driving downtown, they post the clue. And he's like, they're at the library, let's go. And he just like gasses it. He's like speeding through downtown Denver, goes like, cuts across like a one-way street so that I can like get out of his car in front of the library. I run in and I'm like frantically running around and I see like other people in there looking for these Iceland air guys. It's like other people that are like, I gotta find these guys. I eventually like go up this escalator. The Denver library is like four floors. I go up this escalator and I run and I am going up to um, the internet mm -hmm. cafe, like little zone of the library. And I realize, no, I bet they're in the travel section. So I like barrel roll off this up escalator and like stumble, like stumble down this hallway and like roll into the travel section. And he had to like describe these guys to me. And it was like, these, these are the guys. And I yelled, Reykjavik, which is the password for the day. And they were like, um, so anyway, it was great. I won the tickets and then I went to Portugal, nice. but Iceland air is great. So you have a stopover in Iceland if you want. You could stay there as long as you want. And it's wow. still just like one flight. Perfect. Um, anyway. Portugal as well. It was Portugal. Was I haven't a, been to Portugal, actually. Was that pretty nice as well? I heard that's a spot now. I was. A lot of people are moving there. Right I now, was actually. stunned with Portugal. It was great. And uh, the exchange rate was great when I was there also. <laughs> so we got to yeah. do a lot of like fun stuff that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise with my broke 26-year-old ass, you know? Yeah, I've um, heard that like people say that Portugal is an honorary Eastern European country. <laughs> <laughs> Just because like 
you know they were under like a totalitarian totalitarian rule for a long time and then there's like you can still afford to live there and stuff like that yeah i mean it was i I don't know if that's how true that is anymore but when i was there it was i mean a bottle of vino verde was a dollar right yeah and i think our like hotel was like 160 bucks for eight days or something like that it was crazy beautiful i have a friend who's looking to buy a a windmill in portugal that's a home as well as a windmill and uh, it's like 150,000 euro so it's not like um and it's been renovated you know it's not like ridiculous like a million dollars for a windmill you can't put a price on a windmill i know right i wonder i don't ask him if it worked that'd be interesting if you could generate electricity from it too <laughs> oh that'd be nice that'd be nice Just put a real um, turbine on it or whatever cool um a windmill house yeah it's a windmill home would that Portugal. be cool or would that be like just so loud annoying i don't know he's into the windmill home he's trying to finance it to get it <laughs> good luck godspeed yeah <laughs> godspeed don quixote um so let's get uh one more painting do you have one more painting in your head that you want to talk about and we can i uh, do i start think to kind of another one up. would be um would be a garden of earthly delights okay bosh it's just chaotic mm-hmm. in, in a good way that would be like a really fun uh bedroom painting <laughs> to have over your bed <laughs> did you talk about these with uh with your girlfriend what's her name ari ari right did you yeah. did you talk about the any of your, your we did we did but uh you know we don't i don't think we agree on any of them right we weren't even like close i don't think i think yeah. uh garden Bosch, of earthly delights is the one that maybe she was the most on board with i mean yeah i think it's a triptych um i think it opens i think you can close it actually too which is kind of cool yeah i think it's like it. an altarpiece kind of thing right he was so that's kind of nice he was like strangely really religious as well or not strangely i guess but people always look at him and they're like it's all like satanic and the devil but i think he was like really devout actually yeah like a devout he was trying to save us from the right from the hell and brimstone yeah but those are he was like doesn't this look terrible and we're kind of like that kind of looks rad i don't know that looks fun (laughs) (laughs) but it's still a landscape too you know yeah it's a landscape of people and creatures in it you know pretty much right on cool man well it was awesome talking to you um so great talking to you i hope you edit a ton of this out and uh <laughs> i'll edit some i got i got a mark i got a couple marks for things to um edit. no it was great to talk with you i love talking about painting you're a great host you're a great painter you're a great guy Thanks, you're a wonderful gallerist you uh you're a great writer whoa how do you do all those things Let's talk about you. We didn't talk about you enough, I don't. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I have a I have a, a schedule I keep to. Do you have more hours in a day than than everybody else? <laughs> That's my main question. I've had you. people say like they get annoyed with me sometimes cuz I make too much stuff and they're like you're just like yeah. ruining it. You're ruining it for everybody else. It's trying. Um, 
I don't know. It's probably some crazy farm work ethic, but I love doing it. If I didn't like doing it, I wouldn't do it, you know? So it's pretty right. Nice. Right. I get a little goofy if I'm not uh, creating, but now it's better because I've been able to take a break uh, during the whole pandemic thing <laughs> mm -hmm. and like watch a movie. Like I hadn't watched a movie in like years. Like, so uh, maybe that's where you find the extra time. <laughs> I watch a lot of movies and a lot of like just shitty TV, whatever, you know. I watch bad TV. I love to be entertained. Yeah, I do watch some bad TV now. I'm getting back into it. House Hunters International is really good. Um, That's trash. That's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're always just like, it's so small. The kitchen it doesn't have an island. I'm trying to figure out what islands are for, like my wife and I. Cause I like, I didn't they're grow up with a kitchen island. Yeah. They're like in the, like in those remodeling shows, they're always like $6,000 and they just throw it out there and they're like, Oh, it's $6,000 for the island. And it's like, it's a box. I don't know. Yeah. Why, I, I don't know why they're expensive. I don't know what people do with islands, but. Um, it's pretty wild. I mean, those people, they don't, they could have their eyes closed and they just are like, we need to gut the bathroom. Right. And Open concept. <laughs> It'd be like a drink drinking game, the open concept. Can I open concept? Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, you're a great designer. You knock down the walls. Good job. Congrats. <laughs> that architect is rolling in his grave. Right on, man. Well, we will uh, we'll be in touch as uh, your drop comes sooner and sooner as we finish up the website, the NFT project as well. Very excited about it. So we're going to make stuff actually work, hopefully. Uh, cool well we'll be in touch and uh what's your social media where sh where can we find you on uh, instagram and that sort of stuff on instagram you can find me at johnny cakes defeo uh, uh and the little icon is me naked staring into the woods uh and i've got a website that you can find from there right on johndefeo.com uh, and soon you'll be able to find me on Solo's NFT. That's right. You'll it's the main place you should find me. It's the only place you should be looking. <laughs> the balance between real paintings and NFTs. It'll be another mm -hmm. podcast. Cool. Well, we'll talk soon then. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. You too.